This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. What the heck are you doing with your day, folks? Oh, I know what you're doing. Getting ready to swing open the gateway to your weekend. Well, we'll give you a hand. We'll do it, too. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto, hanging out there on main campus. Kelly McDonald, right here in London, Ontario, enjoying the last of our warmer days out this part of the woods. But I know other areas, uh, the folks out in Alberta, for example, a little frosty cold. Rum, how's it for you today? Did you get caught in the rain heading over there? Hello. Yes. Uh, no, I did not get caught in the yes, rain. No. I know. I did not get caught in the rain. I got caught in some of the chill that you're talking about because uh, I'm wearing one of these like cable knit sweaters, which is it's a sweater technically, but you know the threading is so wide or you know spaced out that you don't really feel warm if you're the person like right. me who gets cold easily. It's right? a it's a sweater that looks more. For, it's more for yeah. show. Looks like than it's for. Looks more warm than it actually is. Yes, uh, but it is sunny today, and I feel that I haven't seen sun in a bit. Well, welcome it back before the rain comes back with its friend, the cold, which is what we have in store. Uh, We'll tell you in a moment what we have in store on our show, but Rum, I think we should make a note and we'll remind people of this later in the show. For those listening in on AMI-audio, this is the last day we are simulcast at the same time. Um, We air the show uh, simulcast and have since uh, we moved over to television. And we appreciate uh, everybody who has been able to hang in with us and hear both events going on at the same time. I guess it's one event, but on both services. We will be moving to 4 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. So we're not leaving the network. Uh, We're at 4 p.m. Eastern, then the repeats at uh, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. of our show on AMI-audio. On AMI-tv, guys, we'll stick here at 2 p.m. live. We'll do the show and be repeated at 10 o'clock at night and 1 a.m. in the morning Eastern time. So just make those notes and... um, been fun those who make this their time slot every day to have you along with us uh, and uh, you know hopefully that shift of time will still work out for you or, or catch one of the other repeats of the program let's take a look at what we've got on our show today google has rolled out inclusive assistance for low vision wheelchair users and beyond John Beamer. He'll tell us more on his app up, update in a couple of minutes. Very curious. Also, the World Series matchup between uh, Arizona and Texas is set. Mark Richardson's going to preview this and more on our sports update. Boy, we'll see how low the ratings go on this one. And on our program in the second hour, two highly anticipated books. Uh, they were released by celebrities recently. We even this week talked about one of them. Ryan Huey, he'll continue that conversation and more on the Chatty Bookshelf in hour two of the program. So a new poll from Lejeur suggests that Canadians are roughly split down the middle when it comes to handing out Halloween candy this year. The survey found 48% of respondents plan to hand out candy on Halloween, with 46% saying they're opting out and 6% saying they're undecided. For those with kids in their household, the proportion of those dishing out treats jumps to 63%. In terms of being the full-size candy bar house, 71% of Canadians expect to spend about the same amount of money on Halloween this year as they did last year. Roughly 15% said they were cutting back on spending, while 11% said they were bumping up the budget. 
Lori Paris, the Canadian Press. I'd imagine for those who enjoy either end of it, either going out or, or handing it out, if they're kind of getting back into the game or what so many people say, Ramya, ah, it's back to normal. They're just going to go whole hog on this. They're just going to be out there, go crazy, hand out tons of candy, retrieve tons of candy on the trick-or-treat racket. Um, you ever hand it out? Yes, I have handed out with my mom. Uh, and actually, we do this more often than I realized. But it's mostly fun for me because I get the descriptions of people's costumes coming up yes. to the houses and all that mm -hmm. stuff. It's nice. Like, that's what I really enjoy. I don't do well at actually handing out the candy. Usually I'm... Yeah, right? For obvious reasons, you know, I dropped yeah. it out of the bag and such. Uh, I but missed it, is, it all together. Mm -hmm. But it's and nice to hold the bowl. the poor kid didn't know what to say. <laughs> yes, it's nice to hold the bowl and somebody else do it. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I went from, I remember trick-or-treating, then, you know, of course, being a 6-foot, 14-year-old, you kind of got to say, well, they probably don't really want me coming up to the door and, you know, trick-or-treat, what, what do you want? Here, take the TV, yeah. take the stereo system, go ahead, just get, leave me alone. <laughs> um, so I went to trying to hand it out, and, oh, yeah, that, like you said, didn't go well with, here, hold your bag over Oh, I'm sorry. That was your bag? Oops. Where's your bag? <laughs> so, don't step on it now. Don't so, help, help somebody get him out of his boots. Um, but I love those descriptions. As the kids came up, my dad, mom, whoever would tell me, oh, coming up to the door, there's two ghosts. Oh, I, I love that. However, Rum, I went from that to kind of when we do set up that scarecrow that we put in our yard with, with corn and pumpkins and stuff like that, corn oh, yeah. stuff, to make it look like a, 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 a farmer's field with a scarecrow. Then I went to stashing a speaker out there. And I oh. put together scary soundtracks and run sound outside for as people came up. That was so much fun it to do that. sounds very festive at your oh, house. Oh, I put it in the kitchen window. Oh, yeah, but my family loved it. Loved Halloween. Like I, I think I said, too, the other day on the show, sometimes I'd swear we loved it more than any other, any of the other, I don't want to say holidays, but, you know, special event mm -hmm. days of the year. It, it was a lot of fun, weather generally cooperated, but I remember being heartbroken a couple of times. I can't do all that. It's going to be rainy. Can't put the speaker outside. Not going to get any trick-or-treaters. Right. What a downer. But always love that and always anticipate it. And, and to those who are going to be doing that stuff Tuesday night, have fun. Be safe. But remember, we want you involved in our show. We'll talk more about that later on. But ahead on the program today... Our gardening segment. And Susan's got the flavor of Halloween, folks. We're going to discuss spooky and scary plants for sure. Everything from the wicked hogweed. That's from your Harry Potter? Is that, is that where that's from? Anyway, to the dog strangling vine. Don't say that. Sounds awful. But we'll find out how awful and how scary after the break. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. You know, I'm going to ask for something. Oh, I mean, besides Halloween candy, Rummy, I've got always something on my list here. Mm. But ahead of that, before we get to people being generous with their ill-gotten gain and sharing it with me, is we're looking for your in-costume Halloween photos. Would you please send us some so we can 
show them off on the show Monday, but for sure on Tuesday's Halloween edition. We'd absolutely love a little bit of a description too, so that we can just kind of give play it justice. You know, if you want to share who's who, what, or what you are, and maybe any inspiration, but we'll uh, try to also get some words from you on how you would depict your costume for our low vision and blind audience out there. You just send to Kelly and Rumya at ami.ca. That's Kelly and Rumya uh, at ami.ca. K E L L Y, of course, and A N D R A M Y A at ami.ca. We'd love to hear from you. We will do the best we can and try to show as many on air as we can with those descriptions. On Fridays, we get a chance to get gardening with Susan Kearney. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Ramya for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Suze, appreciate you being back with us on the program. I heard you had a wonderful visit here in studio last week, and you and Danielle McLaughlin were all set to go like a whole two-hour show on gardening. Awesome. Yeah, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. Sue, were you uh, a Halloween person? Like, did you always dress up? Did you enjoy the handing out more? Yeah, I you know <clears throat> I didn't really do much um, trick or treating as 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 a child, um, but um, I liked handing out the the candy and um, at, at the door, and I always dressed up. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, right. So, and I remember one year, uh, uh, my mom actually uh, sewed me a mouse costume. I think I wore that for about three or four years. And I, I, I love that costume, but it it, um, it it took away from, I could say, oh, yeah, I'm a mouse, what are you, um, to the kids that were coming to the door. My husband always took the kids out trick-or-treating. He was the one that uh, went door-to-door right. with them. Yes. And I was handing out the candy. What I found, instead, instead of, I always found that there was always one in every second or third crowd that would hand their bag up twice or three times and I didn't know it and then (laughs) so they got a lot more candy. Wow you're lucky the others didn't figure the same thing out Sue and just kind of do a circle and cycle around. Yeah I think sometimes it happened (laughs) I think sometimes that actually happened but yes I I did dress up and I did enjoy I I usually always had someone here um, with me but um, yeah I I enjoyed doing it and uh, dressing up—that was fun. Wow, and I and I bet as time went on, your theater background and stuff like that made you find the most creative costumes. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, and yes, and 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 of course things. Uh, costumes changed and I would you know put other costumes on and today I am wearing my witch's hat it's a witch's hat that I've had for ages it's probably going to wear out soon but um yes I'm (laughs) I'm wearing my witch's hat (laughs) Uh, awesome Sue that's just tremendous and that's the way to be um we we just love the feel of it and here at AMI everybody does a really great great job there'll be lots more to get into and we'll do that when when the day itself comes here on the program folks Mm -hmm. Um, Today we're discussing spooky and scary plants, Sue. Do we want to start with the spooky hogweed plant? Yes. This is the the very wicked, uh, the very wicked uh, hogweed plant. And it is quite prevalent um, in in southern Ontario, other places too. And what is very interesting is that it's, it's actually a very pretty plant when it blooms. And it blooms in June. And this big 
beautiful white flowers on it. Uh, it grows along ditches and uh, stream beds, uh, and, and a lot of those trails that you know people uh, go out and, and uh, walk on or do their running in the morning. And it's actually very dangerous. It's, it's mm. toxic. It, inside the hollow stems, I have something called phototoxic sap. And if you get that on your skin and uh, to the sunlight, it will burn human skin. It's it's not a nice plant at all. Difficult to get um, to get rid of. Uh, and what I found really um, interesting is it is a member of the wild carrot family. I have yeah. wild carrot in my garden. I've talked about it, my Queen Anne's Lace. And it actually looks a lot like it. And that's why people got it and planted it, because it, it actually is pretty and dangerous, mm-hmm. this plant is. Yeah. And it has to be, um, you cannot, um, you cannot you do that. You can't just go up and yourself. grab it and take you it out. Have. You can't. Wow. Oh, gosh, no, because you would be burned from it, and yeah. it would spread. But the, um, yeah. So it, it, it is one that has to be reported, and yes, there are, uh, yeah, there, there have been several reports of um, people seeing it um, in our ravines, along our railroad tracks, along our, um, you know, our, like our trails that people uh, walk and run on. So, yeah, and it's one that must be reported. So pretty and dangerous sound like a yeah. lethal combination. Just at Halloween. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, around <laughs> Halloween. Or um, yeah. are there more elements, of, you know, for wildlife or for caretaking, caregiving for the plant? Anything else you want to mention? Well, you cannot compost it. You okay. cannot compost it. How they actually destroy it, I don't know. Um, I've never looked into that. But how they remove it and how they destroy it, and I, I know it has to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing, and you cannot burn it. Uh, it, it is another plant that, uh, that cannot be burned because that, um, that tox, phototoxin will go directly into your lungs, your eyes, ev- everything. It, it is actually, yes, it is pretty, and it is Man. wicked and dangerous. Mm. It's a tough customer. It is a tough customer, and, and yes, and it, it is on the endangered species list, definitely. Uh, that mm. uh, not, I'm sorry, the invasive species list, the other one, the invasive species list, and yeah, and and it must be reported. So if if you know that there there is something like that, uh, and you you'll you'll know uh, in in the spring because it comes out, it grows very quickly. It can grow very tall and uh, very quickly. Then <laughs> of course it, must it does. Be reported. <laughs> Yes. It just sounds like does, a yes. miserable plant that got here, took hold, and so, you know, trying to get rid of yes. me. Go on, go on. Yes. Um, so where is it native Absolutely. to? Like, how, I'm assuming people, like um, you said, bought it, brought it that way. But where is it native to? Do we yes. know? Uh, I, I'm pretty well um, Europe. Uh, Eastern Europe, uh, Europe, and people did because it was it was pretty, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it did look pretty. And it is, as I said, it's a member of the wild carrot family, and we do have uh, wild carrot here. That that is the Queen Anne's lace, and I believe other plants of that particular family too. But this one, it's it's the naughty member of the family. Let's put it that way, <laughs> uh, of this particular family. It's the naughty member, and uh, we don't want it around. We have to get rid. We have to get rid of it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
What else, Susan? Where else well, do you want to go? We'll talk about the dog strangling vine. Mm. Yeah, this one is um, very invasive, and uh, I, I'm when when I decided to 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 look this plant up because it was it intrigued me. I'd really mm-hmm. like to know what hap- who the botanist was who found this and and named it and is there a story behind it because it's yes. a pretty- yeah, we were hoping you had the story yeah it's a pretty harsh <laughs> name too just ask to my team members here boy because you know as soon as you hear that i was i didn't even want to read it like oh man you're going to yeah. get people upset with the name of this one i know but it really is it 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 does exist it's a plant that exists it also is pretty and dangerous it grows very quickly this came from um pretty well southern europe it is is an also um invasive an invading um, species and it does grow very quickly and it will kill off different sap- like saplings uh, if it gets into uh, it, it gets into forested areas it will de- definitely it goes for the saplings and climbs up the saplings and even larger trees it grows very quickly and tangles up everything so um, you know and when you go to the garden and you start looking at different vines in your garden uh, and you sort of went I hope I don't have one of those it also has pretty flowers on it it will flower and it does have pods on it uh, when it goes to seed that break open and then the seeds spread and of course it's invasive we don't want to have that one this one must be reported Uh, you you cannot have this one without reporting it and it also has to be taken um, away uh, by someone who actually knows what they're doing but it has a worse side effect. Mm. Ooh. It Good is, grief. How it, ominous sounding, Susan. Good grief. You got to take that hat off, man. You're sounding too <laughs> ominous and scary here. There's side. It is a member of the milkweed family. Oh, but yes. not the milkweed that um, that feeds our lovely North American um, monarch butterflies. But the butterflies don't know that, and they're attracted to oh. it and oh. will lay their eggs. Yes, it's very sad. This is why we cannot have this plant, and you must report it. That uh, will lay their eggs, and, of course, their larva um, will wake. There's nothing to eat. They cannot feed on this plant, so we know what happens to them. This is why this plant must be uh, reported and must be taken out. So if you know any any place that there's this plant, you, you do a good job for the um, for the monarch butterflies to report it, so someone can remove it. Wow. Um, so, how long? If we brought these, basically, because people, oh, that's nice, that's beautiful, milkweed, I could use that, or whatever, and and they've made this mistake, how long have they been in North America? Is this something that lasts, like, 100 years, or or do we even know? Well, I I think a a long time. It's just that I think we have not really, you know, people started to get more interested in um, plants and where they came from and um, keeping native plants into the gardens and, and so on. And, and also we did stop a lot of um, bringing plants in. Um, that, right. that 
So they must be registered now if you, you know, bring plants in. But people used to just, um, they would go on holidays and see a pretty plant. There was, and they would say, oh, well, this looks really nice. Or I know someone who used to collect wildflowers now that would clip them. But then those wildflowers would go to seed. Uh, she never brought anything bad um, back. But it was it was a hobby of hers. And and then one day she just said to me, I'm I stopped that about 15 years ago, she said, because I started to realize it's not good for different um, native environments of, of right. any type that these, you know, because you don't know what is going to thrive. And sometimes mm-hmm. these plants that are bad, um, they, they thrive. They, they are. And that's why they're called invasive species, because yep. they, do, they do thrive, you know. So well, that. look at these two. I mean, yeah. they grow fast. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they're yeah. right there, and they're able to affect. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. We were talking about this yesterday uh, when we had our, our friends from the uh, salmon hatchery on board. We were discussing mm-hmm. those little things that people do. Oh, this is so nice. I'm going to take some of these back home to Canada to my garden. And in the meanwhile, time goes on, yeah. spreads, and it does nothing but spread bad news. And that's yes, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right, which uh, which yeah. uh, Sue's uh, which Sue the Sue that the gardener Sue not not which no the witch hat Sue Sue thank you for being with us yes thanks <laughs> Susan Curdy joins us wearing her witch's hat that she's had for ages and uh, with us on the program uh, getting in the mood and sharing with us some actual very informative get these the heck out of here plants on the program we do this every Friday on the program with Susan Kearney. coming up next. Google has rolled out inclusive assistance for low-vision wheelchair users and beyond. John Beeler will fill us in after this. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. AMI Plus has officially launched, as you know, we've been talking about it on the program. The new platform features a slick, modern look and puts AMI original award-winning content right at the forefront. AMI's uh, fully compatible with all of our technology out there, the accessible technology we have, including screen readers and magnifiers. Also, Windows and Apple, uh, excuse me, yeah, Windows Windows and Apple and Android platforms and devices belonging to all those platforms. Check it out, folks. Visit amiplus.ca to to learn all about it. And that's plus spelled out, folks. Not the plus sign. Don't even think you can use it. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And as it's Friday, let's get into our app update. Lots to talk about here today, including some art with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya where I share the latest app, mobile and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. So John, I've been trying to grasp this first item. I think you can do a better job explaining it than we can. So tell us because artists can now use a data poisoning tool to confuse doll E and corrupt AI scraping. Uh, so essentially, this is to what help artists keep their uh, the Protect rights their and work. the authenticity to their projects and work. 
That's the goal, at least. Uh, this is a really interesting project from a professor at MIT, or sorry, at the University of Chicago. And what he's developed is a tool called Nightshade. And essentially what this is, is this allows artists to incorporate uh, into their artwork um, this tool. And essentially what they do is they upload it to uh, this tool. Uh, it secretly embeds some metadata and some uh, hidden pixels inside their artwork. And essentially what happens is when that particular piece of art that they publish then gets um, uh, ingested into these AI systems that are um, basically learning from various artists about mm. styles and uh, types and things like that. Effectively, what this is meant to do is to actually poison the data set. Uh, it'll confuse the data set, and it will also uh, obscure that particular artist's work. So, it, for example, if it's a uh, a picture of a of a car, it'll think it's a cow, for example. So uh, that kind of thing. So it'll it'll you won't get the results that you expect, and this particular artist's work in theory, will be protected from being uh, copied or duplicated uh, or mimicked, I should say, uh, using these AI tools. And so what is it doing? Is it adding its own layer or is it scrambling the elements that are already there? You said I metadata. Think it's doing, I think it's doing a little bit of everything. It's trying. What it's trying to do is um, uh, basically obscure the image uh, to the point that a human couldn't really tell, but the AI systems can tell. And and there's a couple different ways they're doing this using uh, basically pixels and a very uh, subtle changes to the actual source image. Okay. And when you wow. say humans can't tell, you're saying we'll be able to see the original form of the yeah. image or, or of the work, but AI is not able to handle the interesting... Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you can think of this as like a um, like a virus for the AI language mm. models. Uh, at least a... that's the intent. Um, I've heard from a few of my artist friends; they're a little skeptical that this would actually do that. Um, but essentially, this is meant to poison the language mod or the models so that um, it gets confused when it's trying to draw something from a text prompt, for example. And it's also not going to be doing it in a certain person's style because that style has been obfuscated from uh, these language models. Now, do you wow. see any faults to this um, in terms of the actual AI machine learning and such that we're practically encouraging, right? And, and seeing that it's only going to get deeper and deeper understanding of art, understanding of styles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you think that this will put a pause on that? Well, um, People came up with viruses for computers, and then they came up with antivirus. I imagine <laughs> yeah. AI okay. will have its own form of bug repellent, if you will. Um, and and but it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. This is basically, you know, the artist's attempt at protecting their uh, intellectual property sure. and yeah. sort of their yeah. livelihoods. Uh, so I'm really curious to see what this does to these language models and how, over time, because uh, the more you use these models, the the in theory, the better they get, but also right. um, the types of results you get once they've been poisoned, it'll be interesting to see what we're going to start getting uh, mm. just from a, a creative aspect. You know, it's hard to yeah. say what's going to happen if you're trying to mimic a certain style or a certain object in these things. Uh, and if how much of the poison does it take 
to actually take effect. Mm. Yeah, it's one thing like a very small drop in the ocean uh, as right. far as the amount of poison, but um, it's just a little too soon to say. Mm. It's a good way to handle the intellectual part of it for now until someone figures out that way. And I think before we'd say, oh, well, they've got a watermark on it. If it's being posted somewhere, if you're displaying, we're going for much further than that so that any copying. But I think for a lot of the artists, like you said, John, the style stuff is really to them their bread and butter too. It's one thing to say, hey, I've got this piece, but oh, how are you doing it? Well, I want to sell you and teach you how to do it. So take my class or or learn from me and and I need to be credited. I need to be you know, compensated for for what I teach. So I think that's that's some of it too. That's that we just can't steal like we are with people's voices and so on. Um your next item exactly. is a Google rolls out inclusive assistance. And this is fantastic, I think, for for uh, low vision wheelchair users and beyond, John. Yeah, we, we just talked about some of the new things that are coming with Android 14 a little while ago. And right. now they've continued to roll out these new features. And some of the neat features that I came across that I thought were really uh, worth mentioning is... Um, Right now, there's a lot of opportunities for business owners to self-identify as being like woman-owned or black-owned, those types of things. Now you, you can actually be disabled-owned business, so you can flag that for your communities and your potential customers. Um, so, And that actually pops up right in Google Maps uh, as, as you're sort of going through things. Um, they've also added screen reader capabilities in the lens in Maps. So this allows you nice. to basically... Um, uh, people that are blind or low vision, they can now access uh, these new uh, capabilities uh, when you lift up your camera and you point at something uh, because it's uh, basically going to be able to identify things that are relevant to that community more so than just saying, well, that's a car or that's a, a bike or whatever. Um, right. So again, just further refinement of these functionality. Um, and now they're adding wheelchair accessible walking routes in Google Maps. Uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, these are useful for um, people in wheelchairs, but also for people traveling with strollers and luggage as well. So mm -hmm. you know, is this going to be something you can navigate yourself or do you need someone to help you? Uh, or do you need to find a different route to get into this place? So um, just a whole bunch of really interesting um, uh, additions to sort of the overall Google mapping system mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and how all those things are connected, like all the business ownerships and yeah, how you yes. actually get there and things you can do inside those businesses. Yeah, I love the idea of, of the identifying businesses that way because, and, and for everybody. I know we have our preferences, whether it's a comfort thing or just saying, you know, and you can't be hypocritical and say, well, I don't really need to know. I'm, I'm looking for the best price, the best product, whatever. But we also are very much in mind to support certain say an indigenous business or, or or something so i do like that giving people the choice i love what the google lens can do if you're trying to find and in a lot of our communities there are a lot of buildings if you start thinking about it that i would think would fall under this john because of whether it's city hall whether it's the police station whatever it might be that you could get done that way and someone needing i need to find this or i'm looking for the um without it being overdone there's a lot of reason for whether it's restaurants or whatever, because you think about the apps that do all these things and having a few apps to, to navigate your, your community to find whether it's a restaurant or uh, art places or certain things. And here you are looking at Google Lens being able to, to, to step into that void. 
John, how much of this um, is dependent on or at least takes a lot of us putting in the information we know? You know, you go into Google Maps and they're like, report a problem or uh, tell us if something's wrong here or add information that you know about this business. Is it relying a lot on that? It's hard to hard to tell for sure because Google hasn't specified that. But I right. think the result of you making a report only influences their decisions to further enhance these functionalities. Right. Uh, I don't think there's like a you know uh, with Google Maps they have the the car that goes around with the mapping thing on the roof, um, and I don't know if they have a wheelchair with a mapping thing on on you know attached to the side yet. But certainly having um, the businesses self-identify and self contribute um, uh, to these plans. Mm. Uh, is, is very helpful. And also I think um, using those reporting tools to sort of tell Google, this is a problem. You know, I can't get there from here because there's a fence or something like that. That will only uh, bolster the ability for Google to spend resources and fixing and identifying those issues and building out these things. The, the big like the challenge with always with these things is the scalability. Like, mm. is this only going to be in big cities or is this something that we're going to see in every single city across the world? Uh, it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, yeah. With, con with contributions, you should be able to see it across the world in theory because so many cities and towns flag it, want people to know, and they're the ones having to put the stuff in and it's, it's, it's technically available. It's just, if it gets reported, just like, Hey, if you're going on transit, which stations have elevators and don't. Yeah. And part of that is just the information. Another part of it is a bit of the crowdsourcing, right? I think of apps That's like exactly. Waze, I think crowd. Yep. Uh, yep. when you yourself can, uh, you know, pinpoint some of the real time issues and challenges that are going on. And I think yep. for if we're talking accessibility, particularly like wheelchair routes and construction and mm. all these other things, elevators and whatever. Absolutely real-time information would make a huge difference. So, Like GPS doing its job for people knowing there's a lot of traffic or something like that. I, I think it just there's, there's got to be the blending well. of all of this that, that's crowdsourcing it together along with what's available mm -hmm. with our GPS and so on. Fantastic. Don't want to leave, John, without talking about Wikipedia. I don't know why this hasn't come out yet, with us at least, but Wikipedia um, is due for a spring cleaning for AI and credibility issues that are going on obviously right this seems like an obvious statement yeah well it's interesting because i mean that the whole premise of wikipedia is that it's essentially crowdsourced or crowd um uh edited mm -hmm. uh information about a specific topic person place thing etc and um so now there's been a, a new system called side and what this is is meant to do is sort of verify some of the claims in some of these wikipedia entries and i think at this point right now it's really meant to sort of just be like an extra verification level um because a lot of times uh, especially on a specific uh, topic or uh it's called a community of topics um there's a lot of really passionate editors that are sort of keeping those things locked down, trying to verify as best they can. But now this tool will actually use um, uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence to go out and say, hey, um, there's actually a better source for this material somewhere else on the internet. Um, so what they've found so far, though, is that it, about 50% of the time, it actually does find a better source of confirmation i guess at least of some of this uh some of these entries and it's and you know it's still very early days with this but 
the problem that we've talked about a lot is that AI is not always the best um, uh, or the most truthful source of information. So right, right. Um, this is an interesting use case because it's not making stuff up. It's just trying to find a better source of information or a, a better um, documented and detailed source of information than maybe uh, a, a, some random blog post that's out in the wild. You know, maybe there's a, a more... Um, uh, better credentials from a, a higher institution or something else like that that can actually back up some mm. of those uh, elements in Wikipedia. So it, I think this is really just going to be the start of what we're going to see of uh, verification of data. Um, and it's not going to require the manual labor that a lot of these editors would typically have to do to ensure that. Um, but also, it'll be interesting to see how they ha how this particular approach handles some of the nuances because sometimes those higher uh, institutions of learning, for example, would be considered the source of truth, but maybe it's actually that small blog post from that retired professor that is the right. real truth. So um, and being able to, to, to tell the differences uh, and it's not just a, a numbers game where like how many people link to this source of truth, for example, that doesn't give you uh, any more credibility uh, as we found during the pandemic. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it can manage those types of things. And also the weighting that people put on the results. This might just be something that's added to the bottom of the Wikipedia page saying, hey, we think this might be some better sources of uh, information for you. Take a look. Because in the initial um, uh, testing that they've done with this particular uh, uh, program or app, um, like I said, there was about 50% of uh, the cases that they they got it right and they 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 had a better source. But then when they when they presented this to a group of the Wikipedia users for that information, 21% preferred the AI suggested citation citations, while 10% favored the existing ones. And then not surprisingly, 40%, 39% had no particular preference. Basically, they were indifferent. Yeah. Yeah, see, that doesn't surprise me either. I'm just very curious about how we prioritize or how AI prioritizes uh, verification, the little the parameters of verification. And also, I think, too, once this gets going or different versions of this kind of thing gets going, we won't be able to rely on just a single source like Wikipedia anymore. You know, Wikipedia is always that first thing that comes up. Whether or not you believe all the information, whether or not you go further and uh, continue to expand on how you're verifying, like personally and researching through the, the content that you're finding on Wikipedia, Wikipedia is always kind of this source to get started with as a leaping off point. But I, I highly doubt that we'll have things like this anymore because there's just too much nuance um, to how AI is being handled also. John, always interesting stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. You too. John Beeler joins us on Fridays and he gives us our app update. All right. I think we will be back. Not sure what's going on with Kelly, but we're going to take a break. And in two minutes, we'll be back with the buzz. Bill Shackleton is here Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays, as we all know. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. If you're joining us in mid-show, remember, folks, today, last airing simultaneously of the live show on AMI-audio, 
Starting Monday, check us out at 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, still over here on AMI-tv at 2 p.m. Eastern. Ramya Muthan is on main campus at the studio over there. Kelly McDonald right here in London, Ontario at the home studio. Bill Shackleton hanging out at his home studio in the GTA. What's going on, Billy? Welcome back to the program. We call this segment The Buzz, and in hand today, lots of buzz-type items. Oh, boy, you're going to love this first one. Okay. Um, you like Olympics and co weird yes. competitions. Um, first ever Florida Man Games will feature beer belly, beer belly wrestling, and <laughs> and yeah, and there's a, a lot more than that. And right. um, an evading, arresting obstacle course. So wow. I'm going to quote from I'm going to quote from this article. It ain't the Olympics, no. but a group of but a group close runner of up. Yeah, it, well, it's close. <laughs> it's you're gonna love it. A group of Floridians plan to host competition themes according to the collective collective antics of the beer loving, gator possessing, rap mm -hmm. sheet, heavy mallet wearing um wow. crowd. So, you know, Florida has a reputation of, and we've seen these on the Canadian press, haven't we? When it mm -hmm. comes to Florida, it's guns, drugs, booze, and reptiles, or any combination of the four. And Disney. The categories yeah, are yeah, just... And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Disney. The categories yeah. and combinations are just wild. Well, mm -hmm. that's they their really... tourist attractions, right? It's Florida. Florida's it Florida. And, and, and we sit here laughing, and anyone listening to the show in Florida will say, oh, yeah, is that why all you Canadians come down here? It, it and I have probably, no answer. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, there is a hashtag called World's um, Super, World's Worst Superhero. And a couple of the stories uh, that you would find on there, Florida Man fires bomb at garage that impounded his car or another one Florida man <laughs> tries to pay McDonald's with weed. I mean, you oh know, what can God. I say? Yep. yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get into the categories. There is an, a, at the top, I mentioned an, 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 an obstacle course. Okay. Yep. Where, where police actually you are chased through alleys and over fences and through backyards by real police. Oh my God. Um, that's interesting. Um, what if they bring out the dogs? Yeah, I don't no, know. Those and dogs, the drug so dogs? Those dogs will chew into you. And, those and, dogs will and, chew right into you. I thought Fear Fest they was will. bad. Okay, all right. Um, the uh, Another category which is interesting is the category five cash grab. And what happens there is you are in a room um, and they, blow, I mean, it's, it's like a wind tunnel. And you grab as much cash as you can. Why it's blowing around? Like that. Yeah, well, it's me blowing too. around. Yeah. yeah, I do. I think that's kind of cool. I like the other one too, as long as it isn't me. But you're going to like this one. Um, you're going to learn about beer belly wrestling. And actually, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. If you take sumo wrestling and martial arts, and um, I, I gather from the video that I saw, pretty much everything goes. Wow. Um, no. It is done. It's done in London. It's done in bars for the most part. And of course, the two men on the video that I saw had 
60-inch waists. Oh, I mean, that is a lot. And I guess if they're, you have a 60 Big boys, Billy, big boys. Um, equals big beer guts. I don't know. <laughs> See, I thought at first, when I first heard that, that maybe they like kind of battle it. You can't touch with your hands or whatever, and you got to knock each other down within an area or something like that. But this still mm. sounds like more closer to sumo wrestling. I think it is. Who's refing? Yeah. Is it like a crowd ref voting thing? I, I believe so. The video that I saw was in a pub in England. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be, I guess, I don't know whether you'd bet on it or not. I guess you do. I would, oh, for sure. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you can, depending on the place and their work. But I, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Like arm wrestling, except whole body and, and everything yeah, like that. I think yeah. you, can get, you get a lot of that in not pubs, like right? arm wrestling at all. Well, no, no, I mean in the sense of betting on it. I don't mean, yeah, an an arm versus a a whole body. There's a bit of a difference. Yes, (laughs) I'm aware. But no, I I think that uh, (laughs) this is is even worse than like hockey. And it's certainly, you can't say MIA because, uh, sorry. I can't. Mar- mixed martial arts, MMI. That's, I always mix it up and I start MMA, saying yeah. MIA. Missing in action. That's you can't, what I was going to say. You, you can't like, compare the same, really. They wouldn't like that either. plus MMA. That's what they describe beer belly wrestling yeah. as. Only yeah. wow. in Bill Florida. Is, when's this done? In February in St. Augustine, Florida, it's going to be. Right. And tickets are 40, I believe $45. Um, and the referees are going to be, I think there was a show called Amer- American Gladiators, which yep. I think yep. was in the 90s. They are going to be the referees. That's wild. That's oh, really, sure really is. cool. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, like, how do you follow the one where the cops are chasing? You know, the, but it yeah. just totally speaks Florida and some of the, the image to an extent. Uh, I'm glad you didn't get into whatever means they're dealing with alligators. Maybe it's nice, something nice like just eating alligator meat or something like that versus wrestling alligators. That's a big thing. Probably more Louisiana way. Yep. Well, yeah. um, I wish I was there. I don't know. Be oh, you'd if be that's right in there, eh, Billy? If that's oh, oh, be yeah. described. Yeah, maybe sort of like X Games and stuff. Uh, what's yeah. your next one, Shaq? Love it or hate it. Um, mm-hmm. The feelings run high over candy, over corn. Candy come Halloween. Um, oh, yes. Rule joke or trick or treat or covenant social delight. Mm. The great debate over candy, candy corn, corn, isn't it? Goes on. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what candy corn is. Rump, they say you do, it, don't you? I don't we have know. This discussion it's because not caramel. Yes, every here. time we have this conversation, and every really? time I forget what candy corn is, it's Me not too. caramel it's corn. Is it? We, no, it, no, I it think isn't. it's something it's, we have under a different name. So, it? like our, I, it's like our Smarties in the states, and that our rockets. Is it? What does it right. taste like? Like, does plastic, it taste <laughs> plastic handle? So, I mean, it's like. Pardon me. Yeah, apparently it does. It tastes like oh, candles. And Why yeah, would anybody want to eat this? What is the love and the sh- hate around the, the this? Sh- I guess the sugar. I would think um, so. The sugar. So the interesting thing about it is Bratchett, Bratchett, who makes this, they produce 30 million pounds of this corn a year, enough to go around the world five times. Yeah, it's popular. I know. 
Can you Ew. buy it here? Uh, apparently, it's a mixture of sugar, fondant. Yeah, okay. I, I Corn know. syrup, vanilla flavor, and marshmallow. Gee, okay. Oh, oh. well. You want to talk I'm sweet, a, Bill? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of corn anyway, so oh, I can't okay. imagine. They make a slurry out of it, which is like that gooey, gooey texture, and yeah. then, yeah, make it corn slurry. i feel like i've that had like a baseball this before <laughs> i know it's so ironic because i just recently learned what a slurry is anyways i i feel like i've had this stuff before but it is not the hype like why is it so heavily associated with halloween i guess the trick if it's, yeah. it's a plastic it's a plastic structure and or is it candy i mean when you get it you don't know whether it's plastic or you know whether it's candy. I think well, that's it's, it's in it, this. right? I think when you yeah. get it, okay, it comes here, here, in the here. container, right? I got an answer. The question on Google, by the way, that's just me Google searching, was what is the real reason for candy corn? And it says uh, the tree color confection was <laughs> designed to look like chicken feet, and oh, this I is for farmers. Yeah. Oh, it's an older candy. Like, like I, I believe it's one of your Billy like nineteen twenties, thirties kind of candies. Oh, oh. It's, okay. it's been around. I think it's got a pretty long history because we looked it up before, Wondery, because we all felt so silly. What the heck is it? I don't. Yeah. Um, you know, but... the interesting thing about it, though, um, it has a strong presence on social media. Um, it's incorporated into fashion. It has its knitters, crocheters, and people throw it into trail mix and nut bowls, and it just finds its way into different you know, types of I things. can see that when you describe it, you know, Ramya, the, the ingredients and what you, Billy, have said so far, it, it actually, in my head, tastes nicer than what I kind of depicted in my head. Like, I don't think, I don't know if I depict it necessarily as like candy corn or something mm. like that. I know it, it was, but I, I, I hear that. Oh, marshmallows. And I'm a sucker for the marshmallows. Some of the other stuff, oh, yeah. I'm not even sure what it is. <laughs> but it'd be interesting to, to give that a shot. But I could totally see that mixed in with your trail mix. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so apparently it came out flavor. when a half of the America half Americans worked on farms, so they it's supposed to represent yep. chicken feet. I don't. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay, the article didn't even mention that. Mm. Well, no, there's yeah, that a whole bunch really... on the history of candy corn. If you guys, oh, is there really? Yeah, yeah not to mention care. Billy. I'm not sure eating chicken feet would have made you appeal in this item. It probably made you would make you say, "Oh, oh goodness, yeah. no." You know, but but again, we've had other candy, Bill. I'm, I wish I could think of, yeah. oh, what did we used to eat, Billy? Chicken bones. Remember those stupid <laughs> things that had the chocolate in them that were hard? And they, yeah. you know, oh, my mother was a huge fan. You'd get them in a bag and they called them chicken bones because oh. they were shaped <laughs> like bones and they had chocolate inside them. You'd bite into yeah. them and, oh, I'm sure they're still around, Rumya, along with the mm. chicken feet. Jack, thanks, pal. Oh, thanks a lot. Billy uh, getting registered February will be appearing in Florida as part of the games. You can check him out, beer bellying up to somebody and knocking them down <laughs> in exchange for several pints or two as the winner. He's not interested in your money, not your dough, not your candy or alligator meat. He's interested in your beer. Uh, we'll return uh, uh, to the buzz next Wednesday on the program. Billy joins us Wednesday through Fridays. Coming up in the next hour of our show, let's get the conversation recaps and uh, from segments with we comment on from the past week on Cut for Time. And two highly anticipated books were released this week by celebrities. Ryan Huey tells us about it, and you know that's on the Chatty Bookshelf. But up next, the World Series matchup is set up between Texas and Arizona. 
the Richardson, he joins us with all the details and gets us set for the first game today, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, send them in to Kelly and Rumya at AMI.ca. Pictures of you in costume. I know you got that in your plan for the weekend. We need them in because we want to share them on our program Monday and Tuesday, particularly because in case some of you have forgotten, that is Halloween. So if you have some time, take a quick picture, send it in with a brief description uh, of, of who you are, what you're dressed as, that kind of thing, so we can describe that to our audience. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the program. We begin hour two as we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. Let's bring in to talk sports, our sports guy at AMI, Brock Richardson. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. Wondering on your leadoff item today, Brock, welcome to the show. Well, I have two leadoff items, but I have to start by telling you that I knew that I was training for something, and that's obviously the uh, <laughs> beer, beer belly <laughs> games. This is, this is what I'm working towards. Our, <laughs> our next contest, contestant from Kitchener, Ontario. I still would register him to be chased by the cops in his wheelchair. Oh I would like God. to see them do that, try to chase this guy down. I honestly thought you were going to comment on the John Bueller thing about... <laughs> With your accessible roots, but no, you want to be the no, next no. Florida man. Oh, no, no, no. See, but <laughs> and, and you see the cops mulling over the maps to figure out he's in his wheelchair. Where could he be going? Well, he can make a left up here. This is accessible. Oh, get Let's out get of here. <laughs> my, my, mine, mine's more of the uh, chocolate gut versus the beer, but anyway, right. it's still or... a gut. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he's he's going to have a whole Are new section bring a McDonald's? on YouTube. And Coca-Cola. Yes. Okay. Mickey, Mickey hey gut, Cola gut, <laughs> Choco gut. In other words, Brock, that... Brock's registered in five of these categories. The fact that you were just able to, like, label my lunch for a year at AMI was very sad. <laughs> I was well, really when I got, very And that's when he got healthy. I did not even try. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's move get on. down to sports business. <laughs> First of all, uh, I'd like to send a congratulations to Kevin Kiermaier for winning another field award. Uh, he wins the top defensive uh, center fielder in baseball. This is tremendous. And the second one, guys, really gets me kind of annoyed. So I told you a couple of weeks ago that the NHL was getting rid of cause base stick tape. And then we hear now that they're going to allow it to continue and be a part of this. This is where I sit and say, NHL, make a decision. Like, either keep it, allow it, don't allow it. But can we stop flip-flopping between one and the other? Because it's really frustrating. It must make the athletes wonder, what are we doing? What's happening? I'm just curious on both of your thoughts on this flip-flop. Start with you, Ramya. So what are they doing? They're continuing to allow different color tape, whatever yes. color tape you want. Yes, where and... they had said a couple of weeks ago, no, we're not going to do this because mm. this, this goes along with the Only cause black or white. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I remember. Uh, so 
is it because I, I just wanted I'm curious about the nitty-gritty is it because of all the pushback that they were getting because I hope so like if that's the reason why they went back on a decision that they had made uh, in my opinion on a too much of a whim like they, they were just I don't know being very reactive to things that they were that were going on around the organization and decided yeah yeah uh, we're also going to stop this and put a pause on that. And this is no longer going to be uh, an option for players, coaches, whatever. You know, let's all be neutral. And I obviously that was a terrible idea. And we we all felt that way around the table here. And I'm assuming that's the kind of reaction a lot of the public had as well. And they went back on their word because they couldn't stand by the decision that they had made very reactively. So it's funny that you should ask that because in the NHL style, they don't give detail. They just say, we're going to allow this. We didn't say why. We didn't say it's because of pushback because that would make the NHL look bad. And so the NHL says, look, we're going to make the right decision and we feel we've made a wrong one, but they don't say why, whether so it's, it's because of... Yeah, that, that, <laughs> to me, that's that's what it is, right? Like yeah, it just... and, and that's also players saying, we're going to do this. Why would you get in the way, right. especially cause-based stuff? You know, it's one thing to say, look, you're not going to force people to participate in things they don't want to. But things that they do, things that Major League Baseball, the NFL, other things that leagues do in honor of whether it's, it's cancer awareness, whether it, it, it is pride, whatever it is, why are we not? Why are we appearing to, have, to fight over this amongst our ranks? when there is nothing wrong with doing it. I mean, yeah. I, again, I guess somebody can always give an example of something ludicrous that they that they think they should be doing it for and whatever, and they, they're so afraid. But you're, where you see this upset is the commissioner is not the kind of person to say, yeah, we were wrong, or we kind of overreacted, or as Rumia there in Canada says, uh, we, we kind of knee-jerk reacted to it, right? Clearly. They won't do that. He He will not do that. Well, and and I I've never been a fan of of Gary Bettman, and he's stumbled his way, you know, in the NHL for a long time. And to me, this just shows, and I, and I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna be point blank. To me, this shows he just doesn't have that backbone to either stand up and agree with his decision or not. And I mean, let me be very clear. I think he made the right decision in allowing the cause-based tape, but the wrong one was made when you said, yeah, we're not going to really allow this. And like, you got to make the right one to begin with. And you, you got to have people. It. Yeah. You got to have people around you that say, look, Gary, this is not looking good right now. And so <laughs> let's try to try to fix this. And and yeah, I, I actually don't know how that, some of this stuff gets by. I really don't. Because oh, to the point it, where they're the, publicly announcing it. Like, I feel that yeah, these were like discussions that could, should have had been happening, you know, indoors or not indoors, but you know what I mean? Around a conference yeah, table. But behind the yeah. conference table, like you say. Or and talk about it and brainstorm and everybody, you know, put their opinions on and then get off the fence and yeah. put something out there that you've all agreed to. Unfortunately, like you with. said, it's re it's knee jerk. It it's honestly -jerk. is yep. with this person. Oh, yeah. It really is. And yeah. and unfortunately, there isn't that people around Gary, I think, Brock, to say, uh, not a good idea. Well, that's too bad. It's my idea. It is a good idea. Yeah. It's left at a childish level as far as oh, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm definitely having flashbacks of Trump, you know, today, this, tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. that. Like, oh, it's oh, yeah. just all over the place. Another poor, is, uh, another, Trump. another poor decision on Gary Bettman, which I don't think he's ever going to, you know, make right, hmm. is taking the athletes away from the 
Olympic Games. I, I, you know, it's purely because, oh, we can't stop our revenue for two weeks because, you know, we can't do that. Well, I think it's just the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people love the NHL there. People love it. You could have the argument of amateur well, we, sports. We love it. But, Canadians yeah. and Americans love it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I tend to think we have no business there myself, uh, mainly for business practices. They're business people. They're professionals. And yeah. it's the one sport that they allow that. And there are so many other other situations where it's not allowed. So I kind of struggle with that one because, yes, it's exciting. It's fun watching them. But I, I think it's kind of unfair. And I do understand if I owned a business, I owned a team, I don't think I want my best player playing in the Olympics. You know, I can mm-hmm. be patriotic, but somebody's not helping me patriotic-wise when my cash register is going emptying paying a guy that can't play for a year. Yeah. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's So I, I fight with that one, that, with that decision. Yeah. Rocky, I want to talk about the World Series. The matchup is now set, uh, Texas Rangers, and shockingly, the Arizona Diamondbacks. So your thoughts? Yes, the Arizona Diamondbacks had a record of 84 and 78. This <laughs> is among the lowest records to not only make the playoffs, but to make the World Series. This is a team who really strikes well and when they're hot, they play well. And they, they really are a team that says, it's in the zone, we're going to hit it. They don't chase anything. They just kind of do their thing. You have um, lots of players. Um, Martel Marte, who is doing really well. Lourdes Coriel Jr., young pitcher in Brandon Fott, who's pitching really well. And they have a lot of young guys who who you really don't look at and say, yeah, that's a World Series you know, design team. The Texas Rangers, on the other hand, again, are a wildcard team, and they have sort of a similar uh, thing. They have Corey Seager, uh, Marcus Simeon, who are all playing well, and it's just going to be that series to say, who's going to do this? Who's going to get it done? I would have never, ever predicted this series to be happening, but that's just the way that baseball is, and it purely is, you know, we strike when the iron's hot and that's yep. that's when it is. And one of the things that happens because of this and this World Series that nobody predicted, everyone says, well, is it a format problem? So, Kelly, I ask you, is it a format problem or is it, oh, well, these two teams were hot and that's that. It's their hot. I think it's they're hot. We all know there are teams that don't match up well that you struggle with. This is a hot thing. You got teams that were in here this year that have the biggest salaries, or at least up in the top, you know, four or five of biggest salaries. The last few years, we've had teams that are in the top, bottom four or five that make playoffs in salary pay. So some will say, oh, yeah, pay the bigger salary. Some will say, it doesn't matter. And we've seen both examples within recent years, including this year. Arizona, just hot, Brock. Yeah, and I mean, you look at, you know, Alaris Garcia, and he's just another guy that just just does a bunch of good things. He's he's good, you know, on the bases. He's good defensively. He's just he's he's a good good baseball player. And then you add, oh yeah, Max Scherzer as a guy who's your mm. pitcher. Like if he's pitching well, this is a good good team. So for me, and I've been really bad with my predictions lately, but for me, I'm I'm <laughs> looking at this and saying. Texas is probably gonna gonna win this one in uh, six games. That would be my. Well, look prediction. at Seager. Look at Seager. He he's been slow coming on in these playoffs, but all season this guy has been there. And I'll tell you, if we didn't have Atani, 
in, in that league, uh, beating everybody out because he he's he's the unicorn that he is. Um, you know, this is another guy that you'd be talking valuable, most valuable player. Thanks, Brock. Thank you. Enjoy your baseball watching. Uh, what else? Oh, yes, football watch. Oh, and it's hockey watch. Anyway, live in front of your TV, man, and enjoy yourself. Oh, and congratulations, Rumya. This guy, Brock, wants you to know that he's got a puppy at home. Aww. Brand new. Oh. What's her name again? Okay. Pia. Yes. That's the only thing Pia. I remember. Cute. I keep being asked, Brock, is he is he still there? I just want to know what what make is this uh, dog? Or what uh, what's what brand? Is this? Whatever. What, what <laughs> do you call it? <laughs> what make? She's yeah. she's a she's a golden retriever mix. She's uh yeah she's quite the uh, dog. She's she's on a a visit with uh, Grandma Catherine who has her sibling because otherwise she'd be literally yowling while oh. i was doing this segment and oh my that's god not a good sign adorable so, can't wait yeah. to hear yell uh, next time yeah your fans <laughs> wanted to know i was waiting yeah. for that today too i told them test drive all that over on now uh thanks pal brock richardson joins us to talk sports at the beginning of our second hour on fridays right here on kelly and Ramya. we step aside folks when we return we kind of got into this with corinne van dusen the other day one of two very much anticipated books are out these are released by celebrities that tell all talk a lot let's find out what he's got for us on the chatty bookshelf next don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Catch the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. This week on the show, Joita speaks to Max Bro about a number of recent initiatives designed to promote employment among people with PM Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on AMI-audio, also available via your favorite podcast platform and over there on YouTube. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into the Chatty Bookshelf. This is our Friday Conversations where we talk audiobooks with Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, how's it going? Happy Friday. Ready for Halloween? Thanks for having me back. Of course. It's one of my favorites. I love dressing up. Oh, yeah. Are you, uh, do you know what you're dressing up for Halloween is? I'm dressed up right now, guys. Okay, tell us. yeah, so right now I uh, so back when Abby was just a she's still small, but back a little bit when she was a little younger. No matter what time of the year it was, she had this stuffed animal Grinch toy, and she called it Gwench, and she would just <laughs> carry it around everywhere. So right now I am wearing a green Grinch costume. My heart is three sizes too big on uh, the left hand side. I got the hair sticking up on top, and uh, you know what? She's coming over right after the show, so I'm hoping to meet her downstairs and surprise her with uh, the costume. And I also got a giant pumpkin off to my left here too, so I'm really in the spirit right now. You are. Oh, that's awesome and adorable. Um, do you? Are you going to be the one going trick or treating with her? No, so uh, and I couldn't be with you guys on Tuesday, so I thought I'd wear my costume today. So that's mm-hmm. why she gets the the Halloween kind of treatment this uh, nice. this weekend. So we'll be doing the 
I, I'm going to call it pumpkin carving, but maybe it's just the pumpkin seeds uh, cook, you know, oh, nice. in the pumpkin yes. seeds and stuff. Yes. Yeah, yep. I don't know how That's well I do best. carving a pumpkin, but uh, yeah, we'll see what she gets to do uh, this weekend and what kind of mischief she gets into because she's got a unicorn costume. So well, I guess we'll be uh, the Grinch and unicorn. Mm. So um, your company has all sorts of dough. Are you guys having like a uh, Halloween party? Uh, no, I don't. I I want to say yes, but I also want to say no. So it's uh, I, I think that something will be done. I don't want to say party, but I think there will be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, wear your costume or that sort of thing. So we'll see what uh, what happens there. But uh, you Ryan, know who bring has, that pumpkin. We need party. that. And you know who is having a party? Graphic Audio. So our friends over oh, at yes. Graphic Audio have a sale going on right now. And it's about all of their horror and their homemade sort of uh, audiobooks. And what's cool about this is that they all have sound effects intertwined into the story. Sort of like mm-hmm. those books as a kid uh, where you would press the button down the side and it'd say, you know, boots. And uh, you'd hear someone walking through that. But it, what's cool about this is don't listen without the doors locked and don't listen at night because it's 3d sound so you have both headphones in it sounds like someone's knocking at the door in front of you or someone's chasing you behind you so it's pretty spooky i have a couple on um, my to read list but i don't know that i can get into them because i am a scaredy cat as you guys all know and i think if you add the 3d sound i think it will really uh really make me jump so if that's your guys thing go check out graphic audio Especially the banging doors and the chains, you know, when they have, that always was the sound, and especially as they they you hear them coming towards you, that's really amazing, Ryan. One and of the previews will... I heard was uh, was a car, and it was like kind of breaking down, but it was driving by you, and it sounded like it was actually driving by me uh, on the wrong side of the road too. So it was over in the UK, so it was kind of weird to hear a car going the opposite direction on the opposite side of me. So it was really strange for. For me to to kind of uh, get into that and it really uh really got me thinking a michael fair picnic is what you're talking about right this is totally michael <laughs> fair i think he might like these for sure absolutely what are we talking about today sir two huge releases on tuesday and not your typical spooky or horror books but they're flying off the shelf whether it's audiobook whether it's ebook hardcover uh, anything and they're being covered all over social media all over Kirkus reviews everywhere and uh, they're pretty big time stars and they're tell-all memoirs uh, written by in conjunction with some authors but also by both of them and the one is by Britney Spears and the other is John Stamos so these two are uh, really flying off the shelves and I'm really interested because they kind of have had a lot come out, uh, you know, good and bad in the media, but also the the career difference, the different time periods. You get to hear a little bit about both of them, uh, and a lot of uh, other things, you know, behind the scenes and what it's like. And we all know, you know, John Stamos is mm-hmm. best known for, um, you know, Uncle Jesse and his love for uh, his love for Elvis. So that was that was a big part of it. Uh, that was one of the, the previews that I did here. Uh, they've done interviews, they've done book signings already, so they're really on board with these, and they're both put out, believe it or not, by Macmillan Audio, the audiobooks at least, so uh, there's there's a couple of, uh, it's a big week for for them over at Macmillan. No kidding. Wow. Um, obviously, these are highly anticipated because they're celebrity memoirs. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, so the Britney Spears is called The Woman in Me. It's a memoir, and it's interesting because it's not narrated by her. Uh, I can see why, but I can also be like, huh, I really want, 
I really would have liked her to narrate it, but it's uh, it's narrated by Michelle Williams, who is a big time star. She's best known for her role in Brokeback Mountain, but also uh, her daughter, Matilda, uh, her father is the late Heath Ledger. So she's uh, really big, right. really well known, and she's doing uh, a lot of things in the audiobook world now, and she's got a lot of... Uh, a lot of people following her and a lot of people just want this book just for that reason, which is an interesting choice. Right. So, and um, I, I said, I've only listened to the previews of this one, but it's, it's probably up next within the month for me. So uh, I'm looking at uh, doing this and she sounds great. She really does uh, doing the, the thing. And it's interesting because Britney Spears uh, comes in and does a little bit of voicing uh, line here or there. And there's, oh, okay. uh, I, I heard, I haven't heard, but uh, I've heard in the audio version, there's hidden behind the scenes stuff after almost like outtakes. And it's uh, nice. some of the outtakes of her performances over the years, whether it's backstage or sound mm. tests and stuff like that. So I hear she gives the fans a little bit of that. Soundbite. Um, right. Okay, yeah, okay. it sounds like she might have wanted to be a part, but I would imagine this would have been very very difficult for, for some people. And I think with what we know of Britney Spears, maybe that might have been a bit much, but I'm so glad that she's a part in some way, whether it's audio or even just sitting there and giving thumbs up onto what, what her work, what Michelle's works is, you know, doing this read and the way it was directed. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. And that's what, uh, you know, if you can't narrate it yourself for whatever reason, I think it's be really part key of it. to be part of it somehow. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then John Stamos, his is called If You Would Have Told Me, and he actually narrates it himself. Uh, so there's a familiar voice that you'll see there. He's had several different characters after Jesse, uh, Uncle Jesse. But, uh, you know, Ramya, you've watched you. So he is the psychiatrist on you. Uh, so that's a big role that he had uh, in the first season there. And then he goes into the whole what it was like working with Bob Saget and everybody on mm -hmm. the show uh, where, you know, kind of in and outs of that. Uh, his love for Elvis and all of the dancing, the the hair jokes that we thought were hair jokes that aren't because he's actually really <laughs> into his hair. So there's a lot of things going on there too with John Stamos, and I actually like that. And um, you know what? I I I I think he's very talented. I I I do have I a, so. a soft spot for him. So he's uh, he's still kicking around. He's doing his thing, and uh, I mean. I, I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, everybody that I talk to says he still looks like he's about 35. So he's he's doing something right. If he can keep that up, uh, I want to look 35 when I'm his age. <laughs> I was never a fan of the show myself, but I, I recognized everyone's talent on that darn thing. Were you a fan? of the show yeah i was that yeah. was like the big friday night thing it was like oh you yeah. got you know you come home from public skating in the winter and you just you sit down house. and then you it was like uh what was it uh tgif there was a whole lineup of shows that were on and uh that was the big one that they made yep. you wait till the very end and it was you know pressing bedtime because i was younger at the time there um the interesting thing about these two books too is that they both clock in just under nine hours so they're not shorter uh memoirs like Typically, you'll get your memoir to be four, maybe five hours. So there's a lot of different things. And I thought it might have just been the Britney Spears one because of all the sound bites and everything. They incorporate mm. that into the time. But John Stamos is also uh, uh, just under nine hours. So they go into a lot of different things there. And uh, yeah, I, I just I haven't heard anything there. I haven't heard any tidbits or Easter eggs where they got the cast of Full House or anything in there. But uh, I really do uh, hope that there's something there, like you said, Kelly, be involved, because I think that was a, that would be really big if he could uh, get something like that going. Mm. Oh, it sounds like to me like he is. Would you say that the feel, because I, I think sometimes we, we, we love the tell all, but there's also that sometimes nice feeling or you want all the dope on it, depending on what kind of fan you are. Where does this for this one particularly fall for you? 
I think you're never going to make everybody happy, right? So it's like, no. you know, you, you tell like, we'll take Britney Spears, for example, you tell all of the like, oh, it's so glamorous at the start, you know, superstar go rising to the top as a teenager or a 20 something. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, all of the not so glamorous things start to happen to her. And I think the fans will be interested in that because uh, oh, it, ride just, or die know, the, fans right? for Britney. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then we obviously have her relationship with her parents that is probably not so good, uh, but it's very public. And then there's a lot of things that have happened ever since. So there's uh, for that. I, I think I'm really interested in both of these uh, just because yeah. they were such a part of my childhood, so to speak, just at different times. Right. So yeah. we had, uh, you know, Uncle Jesse in Full House when I was younger. And then we had Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, all that kind of stuff coming out when I was, you know, on the cusp of high school where it was like, that was the cool thing. Didn't matter boy, girl or other, you were listening to, or at least you knew Britney Spears, right? Well, I think, A, Britney Spears has done so much for art, for music, for just opening up the scene. And I obviously want to know if that stuff comes up. I'm definitely going to pick up this book over the weekend. So I'm off, I'm curious about what of that is going to come up in the memoir. But it is a very different feel from this other one because, uh, you know, with this, you really are looking for the tea, right? You're trying to find out what exactly happened with Britney. We could follow everything that she's been through, through documentaries, through um, posts, her career, just, you know, over the years and the conservatorship, obviously. But we didn't hear it from her fully exactly yeah right. now we get it you didn't get hear it from, it from her, her perspective That's yes it. and so it's so much depth of setting things straight um like what happened with princess diana before she died and after she died things started coming out works that she'd actually taken direct involvement in and it was like never heard before you know these trend words right like never heard before content never seen before uh stuff straight from diana because we want to know like what exactly happened there's the picture and the media portrayal but what exactly happened but then you take a typical memoir just because you know someone's at a point in their career where they can get a memoir out there that's simply because you're archiving their work, archiving their career and their influence. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, you're just getting a, a nice, full picture of their life, but it's not this intense need of where where was she? Where was Brittany all these years? Well, and then you look back at it too, and, you know, I think this would be me, just as Kelly said, like, you know, you need to be involved if you're not doing the voicing or whatever. Right. But I think I think that, you know, like you said, coming right from her mouth is is great. And, you know, despite your publicist or your marketing team's best, don't say anything about this or, you know, paint mm. a good picture. If they say the truth, I think that's what really people want and they'll respect them more and, and get it'll get out there. And it's right from her. There's no hearsay. There's no, no. telephone tag, that kind of thing. And too. knowing that all these years she didn't have a say. That was literally yes. part of the agreement that she could not speak about her life, could not tell us what was going on, you know, and all mm -hmm. of that coming to, okay, I'm going to write my memoir. Like, this is huge stuff. Yeah, well, and, and I look at this John Stamos one, I think you also start pandering to the people who really, for you, Ryan, as a kid, stay up to watch this. Do you want to read? And you know what used to really... Heave me off doing the show. You want all that fun little nuggets mm. that Rummy is saying that people are discovering now. Yeah, but you behind really the want scenes. The more happier, yep. the more fun, the more. Hey, how did they do this? Did he really love his hair? Hate it, you know. So you you get that stuff, which for in a case like this, 
you know, not not that he's any less real, obviously, than Britney Spears as a person telling the story of. But I I find it very interesting, especially coming out the same week and everything like that. Um, these are going to be just so different, but yet a lot of the same people will be grabbing both off the shelves. And even some of the older folks too, like my parents, uh, mm. you know, the people their age are into the the John Stamos because it was like that was on in prime time where they might have been a yep. 30-something. And Bob Saget yeah, too. Right? Exactly, yes. Yep. Yep. All right. No, it's mm-hmm. A couple of really good ones, guys. Pick yeah. them up. Thanks, yeah, pal. definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, happy Halloween. Take have care, guys. Have fun. Have fun with Abby. Ryan Huey joins us on the Chatty Bookshelf. That's for all the audiobook talk, and uh, he'll join us next Friday for the same thing. When we return after the break in two minutes, let's revisit and weigh in on conversations we've had on the program over the past week. We call it Cut for Time. Today, Beth Downey joins us. We'll be right Beth Downey. I shouldn't even it's say... It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Thanks for being with us as we swing your way through our program, swinging open the gateway to your weekend, ladies and gentlemen, on the Friday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Uh, At the end of the week, we settle back and talk a little bit about some of the segments that we've had on the program. And why do we do that? Well, maybe to give you some idea about going to the podcast and taking a listen to it again, or for the first time, we might intrigue you. But also to give us a bit of an opportunity maybe to say some words that we didn't have time to say during the segment. We call this Cut for time, and we welcome to join Ramya and I, Ramya at the studio in Toronto, and in Edmonton at the home studio there, Beth here joining us. Hello, Beth. Well done, Kelly. Got my name right. <laughs> I was waiting to see the. I thought I should apologize first, and I thought, no, <laughs> no she's. I'm, I'm going to see if she was listening. <laughs> oh, I was. I, One minute is Bethany, I, I, the next minute is Beth Downey. <laughs> And the Beth dear, it's like, holy good gosh, who is it? I was thinking the other day, don't be saying Bethany. She prefers the Beth, folks. And so here I go blowing it right out of the water altogether. Ah! And then I wanted to see. <laughs> I wonder how much these guys actually listened to the segment before. <laughs> uh, let's I jump over to Run right away. Do you listen to the whole show? She does. Oh, every sure, single I'm, day. I'm sure I'm yeah. paid to sit here. She's got the novelty, you know? I, I might as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. She'll start cheating on that after Christmas. And, oh, yeah, guys, I heard everything you have to say as I fast forward through the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember when you said this? Oh, you you, you were listening. Yeah, that's the one thing I heard. Uh, Ramya, you're kicking us yep. off today with Cut for Time. I will start with woodworking. This is a convo you guys had on Tuesday with woodworker Jeff Thompson. Uh, he's giving us his top tips for blind woodworkers, and he kind of gathered up a whole bunch of tips for us. This is his top number one tip. I think the number one that usually people have trouble with is how to apply glue to your wood project. And this is one of those things that when you're standing up a board on its edge and you have a bottle of glue, well, first of all, you got to open up the glue. And if you squeeze it just a little bit, sticking straight up, it'll blow some air. You'll hear the air. That way you know you're not clogged or the glue has dried up there. The other thing is the weight of the glue bottle, how much glue is in there. So when you tip the glue down, how to aim it, I usually hold my index finger and my thumb, <laughs> like you're showing someone how big a inch is or whatever is, and I straddle that board along its side and I put the tip of the glue bottle right gotcha. in 
between the two. And thus I can then slide right down the edge of the board and I can feel when I come to the beginning and come to the end. What I love, love, love with Jeff Thompson is honestly that he considers everything that we would go in, uh, non-woodworkers, when I say we, would go in with insecurities about, right? So, you know, when you're younger, you're in kindergarten or grade one, grade two, whatever, all the way up to whenever we did arts and crafts and think about why arts and crafts weren't as fun or why they weren't as inclusive as they could have been if you grew up in a in an integrated uh, classroom system. Why, like, when other people could really feel the kinds of, um, I guess, impact that crafting and woodworking and these kind of projects could have, why some of us felt like we couldn't really get there. And it's because of all these little minute details of things, right? Like, it'd be nice to uh, have, you know, a paper mache project being done, especially around Halloween. This is a perfect time of year to talk about this. You know, we're creating jack-o'-lanterns or carving or this or that. But you can't fully take part or you get the assistance of a sighted person, an able-bodied person to get through this stuff, but it's not necessarily the same as you being able to do it yourself. And for me growing up, I valued independence so much to a fault, I'd say in some circumstances, but so much that I just didn't feel like it was the same thing if somebody sighted was helping me do all the sighted stuff and gluing was sighted stuff, cutting was sighted stuff. And now as I live alone and I'm trying to, you know, do things like put up my own curtains or like not with a sighted person who can do that for me. I think of all the little ways that Jeff Thompson has taught himself how to be a blind woodworker because he used to be sighted also. Um, and then, you know, the way that he's adapted simply because he came from a place where he loved woodworking first and had to navigate and adapt to being continuing to be a woodworker while being blind and you know he has the confidence now to share some of these tips out to the universe and out to other people uh, who have low vision and who are blind and who can take part in some of these ways but i honestly find it very healing to have these projects explained and described in ways that you could go home and try it yourself with these baby steps and with these tips. So I love when he does these kind of back-to-basics uh, versions of the woodworking conversations where he can uh, come up with top five or top ten things and, and even just throughout the, the conversations we have with him monthly to say, and, you know, the way to do this in a uh, for a blind person is dot, dot, dot. So you're not just taking it for granted, but you really are able to understand how to do this in a tactile or in a combination of tactile and other sensory ways of doing this. Uh, Beth, were you ever big on arts, crafts, woodworking, this kind of tactile project? Like, absolutely, massively. I mean, <clears throat> I think I got really lucky to a certain extent because I obviously used to be sighted. I was sighted until I was 15. So mm. a lot of my school years were spent you know, doing independent crafts. Obviously, I needed a little bit of help here and there. I did still have issues with my vision, but art and crafts and woodworking was something that I was actually able to do independently. And don't want to toot my own horn, but like I was pretty good at for the most part. And after I lost my sight, I really struggled. 
I used to love drawing and painting and that was something that you know was really hard to do for me after that so I kind of turned to something also tactile like I started doing a lot of clay work and um yeah I only worked in like a clay medium um and it kind of sounds like obviously that's kind of what Jeff's done too like he's switched to something that in my opinion is obviously a little bit harder than using clay but nonetheless still very tactile and you know he's found ways to do everything like I loved his segment the other day listening to him talk about it and you know he was telling us tips about like um he lays the boards down instead of standing them up so that they don't you know he doesn't knock them over by accident and stuff like that Mm. um he was fantastic Kelly what are your thoughts my thoughts always with Jeff, I love the tips because I think when we started putting this show together, this is the kind of thing we wanted. We wanted those little things. Mary gave us a bunch yesterday, Jeff the the other day. Um, I, the experience that they have, as they say, experience is the best teacher and they are able be they take it break it down for us because they've been there they've got the glue all over they've you know jeff's nailed his finger to a board and so on all the little things that can happen as one gets back um adopting and saying this is something i love i want to get back to it and that creative mind of his not to mention the experience lets him do that uh but let's let's not fool ourselves this guy would do it if he'd been blind all his life and just happened to say I want to get into woodworking. On uh, Tuesday's show mm-hmm. as well, we had Randy Urban on with us from NBA TV to talk all things basketball. Here he is giving his uh, feelings on the departure of former coach, head coach of the Raptors, Nick Nurse. It's hard to say. I mean, I did notice that there weren't times where there were times where the team just wasn't playing for each other. And I don't know that that's always the coach's fault. The coach just no. seems to get the brunt of that. They become the fall guy. Look, these are, you know, you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, young with large sums of money and personalities and things like that. And and everybody, I, I played basketball. There's people that, hey, I want the ball more. I want to do this more. Like, this is just an inevitable thing of basketball. And it's not always the coach. And it's just sometimes just the way things happen. You know, you don't go on a winning streak. So then you lose a little more times than you're used to. And then that creates a little bit of, different energy and then you don't rebound as well from that so there's lots of factors that go into you know the situation playing out the way it did um so uh, it's hard to say um i know nick nurse is a good coach i think he's going to be successful in philadelphia so uh, i'm not i'm not i'm not a coach blamer because i'm a coach myself so (laughs) yeah probably why yeah I'm glad Randy points that out because, you know, as a fan of the team, you start saying what went wrong. And I know Nick Nurse stuck with Toronto as long as he did. There was a lot here, a lot in this country. It's a pretty special place to be a head coach of a team, whether it's the Jays, whether it's the Raptors, because they're the only team in that league in Canada. So here you become, it's not just being a Toronto head coach. You are a head coach for a Toronto team in Canada. So you have the fans that are everywhere from Vancouver to Halifax that that will follow you and and beyond. So when you think about the time someone spends, and I felt this, and this is kind of when we were talking the other day, not wishing, like Randy says, to necessarily blame, but there was a lot of checking out that seemed to be, whether that's on the players, whether that's on coach, where he's checking out. 
but I'm looking very forward to the change, not just because it is the different voice and, and we know that lends itself to where maybe people now start listing, maybe whatever issues upper management might have had with coach or vice versa or individual players or with what the team is doing and players being dissatisfied or management being dissatisfied, wherever you want to lay that, whether it's a blame or just a recognition, it really allows you to stop and say, okay, the reset button's been hit. And you got to wish that person going forward. I, I, mm. I'm not the one wanting to blame that guy, but I'll say, hey, man, maybe he'll have as much at least luck. Uh, you know, okay, might not be so sincere about him having too much luck against Toronto or, or you know, getting another championship like he did here in Toronto. But I do recognize the voice may have left the Raptors, the feel may be different, or just looking forward to other people now that he may not have felt deserved an opportunity or didn't see a lot in them. Maybe now some of them we get to see grow under under a new head coach, Ramya. Yeah, it's strong opinions always and strong, like, I guess, assertions when you think about sports when you're coaching when you're managing in all these different roles right and even with players and tactics and such but at the end of the day there's sports as it is as entertainment as a business as money but there's sports conversation and that's really more about the human beings right it's be behind the athletic performances behind the decisions that the leaders are making it's behind X, Y, and Z, uh, where you have to kind of empathize or understand how difficult it is to empathize. And we we did it, you know, five seconds ago with the NHL and that conversation with Brock Richardson where we're like, you know, what the heck is wrong with the NHL? Why are they like this as an organization? But uh, when we put aside just the impressions that the NHL have is having, I think we can leave room for mistakes, for growth, for all kinds of stuff. And as you said, Kels, the reset button, because there's always... A reset button as it comes with change it's it's rotational it's sports that's the way it is nothing stays as we know it today you bet okay yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> rum you just took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> i'm kidding like you both know like <laughs> sports is, <laughs> sports is not my thing um i mean i'm just like that person like whenever i hear people get upset about sports and like you know, choices Why? people make. I'm kind of that. I'm I'm just kind of that person. That, like, it's just like everyone's human. Like, give them a break. But by the same token, it's their job. I don't know. I'm just like, I find it very hard to have a view on this. So we're gonna go straight into my topic. <laughs> um, on Thursday, we spoke to Mary Mamalidi about some cleaning tips. Here she is now telling us about a very unusual way to clean your light fixtures. Next, this one was interesting for me because I wouldn't have thought of it. Glass light fixtures, because they, they also need a deep cleaning. So from time to time, if you take them down, pop them into the dishwasher if their glass is removable, if the glass covers can be removed. Put them into the dishwasher, normal cycle, they come out squeaky clean. So you don't really have to get in there, worry about it. Yeah, I absolutely loved Mary's segment yesterday. I am one of those people who loves their dishwasher. I'm incredibly lazy. <laughs> I clean everything under the sun in my dishwasher if I can. If I don't have to clean it with my own two hands, it's going in my dishwasher. <laughs> so Mary's segment yesterday was fantastic. All the different things, like the silicone mats, it was really interesting to me because 
I, as I say, I throw everything in my dishwasher and I've definitely been caught out a time or two where I have not been able to read the label on something and just been like, ah, screw it. It's going in my dishwasher and it it comes out like shrunk or whatever. (laughs) I don't know if either of you two have done this before. I yeah. worried more about the lights when you, when I thought, well, what if you put that in? But it didn't dawn on me uh, right off the top of the couch. What do you mean the gloves? You can put all that. Oh, well, oh silicone? Of yes, of course. Yes, and mm-hmm. of course you can. There's so many things I, I would have never thought. Oh, I can throw that in there. I can throw that in there. And I'm not sure if it's because I thought you'll damage it. Um, but her advice, most things, top rack. Really perfect. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that's where I've gone wrong in the past is I think, I maybe have, it's been a bigger item. I put it on the bottom and then it's come out wrecked. But yeah, she was very specific yesterday. Everything she said, put it on the upper rack, put it on the upper rack. Did anything surprise you, Beth? Like something you haven't yet thrown in there? Like, oh yeah. I could not believe the lights. Like I would have thought they would like break. But then the more I thought about it, it was like, well, I do have like, like I literally put like my drinking glasses yeah, in there daily <laughs> like why would that be any different yeah the glass yeah. stuff doesn't surprise me as much and neither does the silicon but it, there were random things that she said uh, sponges yeah sponges and things yeah. like that where i'm like it, but are you contaminating the other stuff that's in there if you put something in too gross but that might be just my biases um, maybe the baseball has. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, there was bother. one. There was yeah, a one. They might yeah. people's dishes. But again, the yes. whole thing is killing bacteria. Like it. it yeah, it, that's it, the point. The right? machine doesn't know and doesn't care. I'll kill these hats. I'll kill these glasses. I'll kill everything in here. That's all the machine knows. And the soap. Well, we know what that'll do. Um, Beth Henley, thanks for coming. Oh, sorry. Uh, what's your name again? <laughs> Beth appreciate Henley. you joining us. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you guys. Thanks for having me. Take care, Beth. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, joining us for Cut for Time on the program, Beth Deer, out in Edmonton where it was snowy and she's getting ready to go to the outdoor hockey game that's going on there this weekend. They are going to take that. It, well, okay, Beth probably will stay home and monitor all the cars that visit and park. Frisco, <laughs> get off their property. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. When we uh, return, we'll wrap up our show. Take a peek at what's coming up on AMI-tv and AMI-audio on the weekend and our closing moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Thanks for being with us. Welcome back. Kelly and Ramya as we're swinging open the gateway to your weekend. And first off, folks, a note. Uh, For those of you who have been listening to our program on AMI-audio at this time, we appreciate it. Uh, We change. Uh, As of Monday, you can find the program at 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. The live show will still be at 2 p.m. Eastern for the AMI-TV viewers. And, of course, repeat to the show at 10 p.m., 1 a.m. on AMI-TV and 6 a.m. on AMI-audio. Um, thank you uh, for those who have made this their spot. We hope that you're able to switch and move over uh, to whatever works for you best listening in around the world. Of course, please keep in mind the podcast, run out there, subscribe. If you're thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe easier to do it that way. Whatever way you can consume the show, we appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Folks, let's take a look at what's coming up. Rummy and I will run down a couple of things. Uh, AMI-TV, we'll start with first this weekend. The original AMI documentary, um, The Alternate Route. This will be on AMI-TV this Saturday. In it, 
viewers meet Curtis Ruddle, a 15-year-old skateboard addict is how he's described in this. He's partially sighted, and we will learn about as he and his family and friends create Calgary's first ever accessible skateboard park. The Alternate Route airs Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Well, we on AMI Audiobook Review have weekly conversations that are super fun for audiobook lovers. And if you want to find out about the latest bestsellers, trends, and narrators in audiobooks, we got you covered. That's AMI Audiobook Review, Sundays on AMI-audio. And each week, myself, Ramia Amadin, Nisreen Abdelmajid, and Jacob Shymansky introduce you to great new content in the audiobook realm. We got authors who join us, narrators, and regular contributors as well. This week we have uh, Dave Brown joining us for a book review. Oh my gosh, that was a great conversation. And that's AMI Audiobook Review, Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI Audio. It's interesting the things that come up during our show, and I'm already just reeling through my head on the different subjects. We talked butterflies with Susan for a little bit uh, during the segment. I want to talk about Wilma Hoekster, who's 99 years old, and she has loved monarch butterflies since she was a young girl. She began raising them when she moved to Iowa, nurturing them from tiny little eggs to the moment they spread their wings. As a teacher, she's used them as a tool. She felt that the monarch butterfly had a beautiful story, such as a cycle of life that we could all follow in our lives. They hold lessons about sacrifice and kindness. They lay their eggs, and then usually in two months, they're dead. But their little ones are growing, and these are the ones that will go all the way to Mexico for the winter and come back to Texas in the early part of May, and they'll start that cycle all over again. She uh, released her latest group of monarchs while surrounded by her family, and her prayer is, I'll be here a year from now. But otherwise, it will be a grand farewell. She knows where the butterflies are going, and she knows where she's going. So you know, folks. It's see you later. What a sweet story. What truths are in that, Ramya? Wow. I, I think that that's so beautiful. I All these little kind of things that stick with us for her, it's been the monarch butterfly. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. And that was a great piece to find and uh, be able to share with you, ladies and gentlemen, in our closing moment. Gateway to the weekend is open. And on our Monday show, as we look ahead, winter has begun in Dawson City. Oof. Community reporter Kim Holly will be here on Monday to tell us a little bit about the feel and that winter mood that's going on over there, along with that winter mood, all the events that come with it. Daniel McLaughlin, I know your rights, has a guest, Kelly Modernit, the president of the Ontario Bar Association, to talk about the new peer support network for lawyers with disabilities. This is fascinating. Look forward to these conversations. We start them at 2 p.m. Eastern on Monday, right here on Kelly and Rumia. Now, Get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of Live Production, Paula Denise. Manager of Operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV Production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Hey guys, it's Jeff here. 
And don't mind my voice, just getting over a bit of a cold here. But I wanted to chime in on the conversation Kelly and Rum had in segment one on today's show. That being handing out candy. Do you do it or do you just kind of forget about it? Um, And I wanted to chime in because I understand both sides. But as a kid, I did not. Um, obviously as a kid going out trick-or-treating, you wanted to hit as many houses as possible. So whenever you saw a house that looked dark or it didn't look like there was anybody home, you were a little bit angry thinking like, what do you mean? How are you not home? What else could you possibly be doing on Halloween night? You're going to a party? What? Why would you do that? You should be at home handing out candy. Basically what I thought. Uh, but as an adult, I totally understand the complete opposite where, um, you might not have time to hand out candy for for multiple reasons. Uh, obviously, like I just mentioned, people go to parties. People will dress up and go out. Uh, they're not necessarily at home. Uh, and for me this year, we haven't even purchased Halloween candy. Uh, I love handing out candy. I, it, it gives me great joy. I, I just love seeing all the kids come around in their cool costumes and whatnot. Also, I get to eat some of the chocolate while I hand it out. But this year is different because we're taking our little son out uh, trick-or-treating. And so therefore, Aaron and I and Austin are not going to be home to hand out the candy. So I guess there's layers to this conversation, but I do understand both sides. If I had it my way, I would do both. I would love to go uh, trick-or-treating with my son, with my family, but also at the same time, be able to hand out candy. If I had the option, I definitely would, but now it's kind of not an option anymore. So like I said, I understand both sides. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.